Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Hey guys, welcome back to Founding Podthers. I am Mr. King. I'm Mr. Leesman. And today's episode is brought to you by the color bread. No, no, no. Not about communism this time. More specifically, we're going to be talking about the red coats. Why blend into the landscape when you can actually just wear this obnoxiously bright red jacket? Yeah, that's not a not a good choice. But whatever. It worked for them. They own the world. But I guess they could have done it with a lot less blood. All right. So we kind of talked about the colonies last episode, and now we're going to really dive into more of American history. Um, So. We talked about the different colonies and what they're up to. We talked about, I think that even the episode before that with the Native Americans, we started talking about how the French were up north and most of the East coastline was belonged to the British. So let's get started. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk mainly about like, uh, eventually, obviously if you, you should know that we're no longer part of the English colony or yeah. English uh, like crown. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's some problems that are going to start popping up, right? So uh, probably the most influential or, um, uh, the scene setting problems is the French and Indian war. Yeah. So the British were doing their typical British things, eating up land, making money. Um, and the French were also setting up their colonies in the Americas right around the same time. Yeah. And as a side note, by the way, this is not a war fought between the French and Indians. This is the no. French and Indians versus the English and the colonists. Mm-hmm. So just a- yeah. Yeah. So you had people, people get like, confused, right? And so we're gonna we're gonna get into exp- explaining like uh, all of that stuff in a second. Um, but I just wanted to give some backstory on the why we're t- we're fighting the French. Um, people like uh, Samuel D. Champlain settled modern day Quebec, setting up fur trading posts, and that's actually really key because that's what the British. Uh, not sorry, the British. That, that was the French really spent most of their time doing is mm-hmm. setting up like fur trading. Yep. That was how they made their cash. That's right. Um, by the 1700s, yeah, most of their colonies were fur trading colonies. Right. Yeah, that's how they made their money because, you know, it's also cold in Europe, like in the winter. Yep. Um, so they would lay claim to much of what is now Canada and go all the way down through the Ohio Valley. And they'd mm-hmm. eventually go all the way down the length of the Mississippi River, excuse me, and go into the Gulf of Mexico with uh, New Orleans. Mamma mia. That's a lot of land. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so the British controlled much of what is the East Coast minus Florida. Yeah. So the only thing that really separated the uh, French-controlled territory and the English-controlled territory were the the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a great natural barrier, but eventually yes. the populations of both sides start to boom, and yes. people need places to live. So the English colonists are going to move westward. Yeah, uh, this causes a lot of problems. Right, because for hundreds of years, the French and British straight hated each other. Like they ops. were, the, they were like the OG ops. Like they yeah. literally could not get along. Anytime that they were near each other, it was just war. Right, and this hatred is most certainly going to spill over to the colonies, especially when the British are like, "We need more land." Yeah. So um, yeah. So the French, like we said, were using their land for fur trade primarily, while the British wanted to farm the land and make more money. So here's like the conundrum, right? So in the French colonies, they're going to want to keep the forests for the most part because that's what's going to allow wildlife to run free and you know hunt these wildlife, catch you know catch them, get their fur, all, you know, and then right cycle continues, right? The opposite side, the British want to chop down all the trees so they could uh, farm the land. Yeah, they can make farms, they can build houses, and just use it 
to make more money. Right. Um, so British, British settlers, things. yeah, British settlers began moving into the Ohio Valley. Yeah, and that was a problem because the French had already stolen it from the Native Americans, and the last thing that the French wanted to do was for the British to steal the already stolen land. Right. So anyway, uh, this guy should be uh, a little familiar, but a British lieutenant uh, colonel named George Washington. Hopefully, probably, you've heard of him. Hopefully, uh, he took a squadron of soldiers to attack Fort Dun- Dunks. I don't. Duquesne, maybe. Duquesne, I don't know. Yeah. That's that. That's definitely a very Americanized, Britishized like version of whatever it's called. But you know what? Any- Listeners are probably going to be furious. Yeah, at us. they're omelette de fromage. Right, I don't so, speak French. Right, so but it don't really doesn't really matter because you lost. Right. So, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so uh, English don't they don't like to lose. No, British took a squadron. Washington took a squadron of soldiers up to the fort to try and and to try and take it. Well, he lost. Uh, when the British learned of this loss and that it was kind of humiliating, um, they decided it was on. Ain't yeah. no Frenchie going to make Georgie look bad. No. This turned into a ginormous war, not just in America, but in Europe as well. You know, uh, it, it basically was almost like a world war. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, these were your two dominating world powers at the time. Yeah, because uh, I looked that so, up and this literally, so this actually, this took on pretty much every continent yeah it's crazy it's, yeah well uh the war was yeah so like you said it was it was fought throughout europe and the rest of the world the american theater of the war is called the french and indian war yeah um that's kind of what we're going to talk about um i think in every, europe they call it the seven years war yeah every um, pretty much, yeah everywhere else they called the seven years war for some reason we called the french and indian war because we're because we're americans you know, we right. gotta use centimeters and stuff so Let's talk about this actual war and the actual fighting. And we're not going to take much time talking about it because uh, the British win. But what happens is it doesn't go well at first because the French struck hard and they struck fast. Right. So the French have some pretty uh, key victories in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and the British didn't have time to react properly. Yeah. That it, it struck so hard and so fast. It was kind of like your first cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah, like you, like, have, your, you have a couple sips. And then you're, you're like, like, get in your car oh on your way to work, and you're like, oh, boy. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's that's not good. Yeah. yeah so, so they struck so hard and fast that they were actually 60 miles outside of Philadelphia at one point. Right. Now, obviously, like Washington, D.C. is an important city for America. But mm-hmm. at this time, Philadelphia is a huge city. It is the city. It, it is, is the, like, it is the, yeah. it's Amer- the city of America, really. It, right. it is. Right, so it, that's not good. If, no. if, if, the, if the French are 60 miles outside, that is longer than two football fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the British eventually, they, they realized they had to get it together. So they eventually turned the tide and included the colonists uh, a little bit more. So they instead yeah. of just sending their like British troops over, they started like having the, the colonists fight. So, so at the end of the war, England would take over all of France's territory in the New World. Right, and we're talking all of, all of Quebec, all of it, all of the Ohio Valley, the Mississippi River, down to the port of New Orleans, now lays in the hands of the British. Yeah, sort of, but yeah. Right. So, well, we'll talk I mean, more about yeah, like that, how that, the Mississippi gonna... River and New Orleans... We, we owned the eastern half of it. Yes, that's... I should there's, have included that. There's still anyway. a western half of it, but anyway, whatever. Yeah. France does what they're good at, and they ran away. Yeah, they, they, they threw out the white flag and they surrendered. 
It was excellent. Yeah, it was the beginning beginning of the the stereotype. Right, and this is this acts as a good transition because really the the French Indian War was kind of like a bolster to our like uh, like our persona. Like, yeah, we beat France. Woo. Yeah, because you know. You know, we, we were lands. just colonies. Yeah, we were just colonies at that point, and we weren't uh, economically. We were like pre- pretty hot, but anything else, like we weren't anything special, I guess. No. So after this war is over, a lot of the colonists start thinking like, "All right, we won the war. Yeah, we get to go live on that land that we had to fight over mm-hmm. this whole time." Yeah, because I mean, think about it. The colonists are kind of like their whole thought is that like they knew the land. So when the British finally turned the war over to the colonists, they're like, "Hey, we need your help." The colonists knew the land better. They went in and used that knowledge to win the war, and they're like, "Dang, we got something going!" Like they realized that they could, if they worked together, that they were actually a lot stronger. So that kind of nationalistic sense started in the Americas uh, because of the French and Indian War. So they realized that, like, hey, we're onto something, and if we work together, like, who knows what we can accomplish, guys? Yeah, and they they were. This is kind of the beginning of like them being proud to be colonists. So this is right. this is kind of like what started to separate them from being English, and they were more mm-hmm. American at this point. Yeah, they're like, we're from the colonies, like we're colonial. Like, that's that's pretty tight. Yeah, and then someone pees in the pool. Yeah, and it kind of ruins that whole party. Yeah, so uh, the, the colonists quickly wanted to move into the Ohio Valley, but mm-hmm. the British said, absolutely not, yeah. uh, via the proclamation of 1763. Right. This is and an that- important one. Yeah, it basically says the colonists could not move west of the Appalachian Mountains. And that was because, so the French still live there. I mean, it's not like the French are just going to pack up and leave. Yeah. They're going to become, they're going to have to become British at that point. Um, So what happens is they they were pissed that they lost. Native Americans are pissed that they lost because both sides had Native Americans fighting with them. Uh, so the Native Americans that lost were pissed off that they uh, they were pissed off that they lost and that the British were the ones taking over. Right. Um, so yeah, so this pissed off the colonists a lot. Right. You know, where the colonists were like stubborn teenagers, they they did whatever they wanted anyway. So England says, "Here's a law, me, Dad. God, here's a law. You can't for your own protection because we're like wiped out of resources. We mm-hmm. didn't just fight a war here. We fought a war all over the world. Mm-hmm. You can't go there right now because we can't protect you if you go there. And the American colonists are like, yeah, but screw off. Yeah. So, um, that's going to become like a pattern. Yeah. Um, dang, lost my train of thought there uh anywho so oh that's what i was gonna say britain couldn't afford that that another war and like they didn't want to piss off the french so they're like fine um so george washington actually that's what i was gonna remember george washington and a lot of the colonists knew that the proclamation of 1763 wasn't going to be around forever they knew something was going to give um so i believe it was george washington actually set up uh and had someone had uh bought some land out past the Appalachian Mountains in the Ohio Valley because they just knew that like it's not gonna last forever. Like, and eventually when the the proclamation ends, we're gonna go out and we are gonna. I'm gonna have that land set up that I can go farm. Hmm. So, I know that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, England loses a lot of not just people but money from this war. Oh, so much money. So uh, how does how does a country? Expensive. Yeah, how does a country make back their money? 
Oh, taxes. Yeah, taxes, taxes, and more taxes. Yeah, because they were flat broke. They were like, we need cash, and we need it quick. Yeah, so um, they decided to look to the colonies, who they blamed for the war. Because, right, I mean— It started and ended there. Like, yeah, so what is better than to tax and collect the money from the very people that made you poor, right? Exactly. So. Like, hey, you're the reason that this whole thing started. You need to pay up. It's kind of like the car accident. The person who's at fault for the car accident is the one that pays. Right, and up until this point, the colonies were enjoying a period called solitary neglect, which basically means as long as the money was flowing into the pockets of the mother country, the colonies would be left alone. Like, right. you can do whatever you want, just don't break any ridiculous rules. Yeah, they can pretty just, much do whatever they want. Yeah, it's like, listen, the money's flowing, the money's, like, summertime and living's easy. It's like that idea, like, listen, don't don't wreck anything, and you can kind of just do whatever you want. Yeah, that train is, comes to a halt. Oh, yeah, because they wrecked things. Like, they wrecked it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the whole idea was, like, don't break anything, and the, and the colonists were like, wait we can't live we're here we're gonna break and, everything <laughs> like, and the english government's like no you can't live there and the colonists are like okay we're gonna go live there and it's right. like no what yeah it was yeah. just like you almost start you start an almost global conflict you're gonna have to just sit in the corner and think about what you just did but you know typical americans we don't take that behavior well like we don't take you that you can't behavior. tell us what to do you we're don't American, know like yeah you don't own us and the english crown is like actually actually um, i hate to break it to you yeah <laughs> but the british began taxing the colonies more in order to pay off the war so right. probably the the most famous of these uh um these taxes were the sugar tax or we're gonna right. call it the sugar act right now yeah so essentially what happens is and this is like wild to think about naturally you think like the sugar tax that it's going to raise the price so this does the opposite. This actually lowers the taxes on sugar and molasses. And that was done because they wanted to cut down on the amount of smuggling because like, like any, like anybody, like no one likes paying taxes, but so what they did was they started and the British were really good at like smuggling things and like pirates and like getting pirates. So essentially, and being pirates. So what they did was they were smuggling sugar and molasses and things that they would use of that nature. And they were smuggling it in. So they didn't have to pay because they didn't want to pay the original tax. Right. So, so by lowering the price, it made it more accessible cheaper. to people. And it, it would hopefully make it cheaper than the smuggled sugar. So you'd be like, ah, screw that. I'll just buy the, the that sugar. And that tax goes into the pockets of parliament. Right. Um, so the colonists objected, which um, I don't know. doesn't really the, make sense. Right. I'm not always literally lowers the price. price. Uh, because they didn't have any say in parliament. So I, I mean, that's I that's that. the main reason. And I get that. Yeah, they were literally having taxes put on them with no chance to vote against them. So what does right. this lead to? Oh, a British boycott of goods. Yeah, yeah, boycott they of British goods. Right. So I, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. The next one we got to talk about is the mm-hmm. Stamp Act, which is also another um, pretty famous one. Famous one. Yeah. Right. And this pissed off a lot of people. So it's one of the more oh, famous yeah. ones. The biggest misconception is that it would make your mail more expensive. Like you'd think like, I mean, now here, like we think stamp, like we think of the stamp on like mail, but it was just basically a tax on paper goods and, and other pa- types of paper. And that you knew that the paper had the tax paid because of the stamp on it. It was tax. a stamp. And let me tell you, lots of things made with paper. Back right. I mean, so for example, a handful of things, it was a tax that was put on things like newspapers, pamphlets, landies, marriage licenses, playing cards. Dang. How am I going to play poker and blackjack now? 
Yeah, it just made things way more expensive, right? So people right. stopped buying newspapers because they didn't like the idea of the tax. Yeah, and so one guy, William Bradford, actually shut down his Pennsylvania Journal so he didn't have to pay the tax. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's literally not- talking about cutting off your nose to spite your face. I mean, that's right. like ridiculous. Like, I would my my first thought is like, what about a like counterfeit stamp? Like, make it look like I paid make it look like I paid the tax. Right. And then like, just carry on. Like, I don't know, but uh, it pissed a lot of people off. And it kind of like, this is when you start getting the idea of like the whole, like no taxation without representation talk. Um, Because again, another tax that like we had no say over and that, you know, that pissed a lot of people off. But instead of being like, you know what guys, you're right will give you a seat in parliament. Britain does the opposite thing and doubles down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's a lot of like resentment going on in the colonists. Oh, yeah. So the English crown sends over some troops, right? So this leads to something called the quartering acts. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, with the colonies doing absolutely everything they could do to not pay these taxes, the British needed to act. They, can't, yeah, they couldn't they, look weak, right? No, they didn't want to look – they wanted to look tough, and they didn't want to look like no punk. Like, they didn't want to be like, yeah, we got a bunch of colonies shouting and hollering. Like, it's kind of like when, like, you know, having a kid and, like, the kid is sh- shouting in the supermarket. Like, the parent looks like – parent looks like an idiot. Like, the parent looks, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and they're just like, shut, shut, just shut, just shut. Yeah, like, I just don't know what to do with him. It's like mm-hmm. – So, like, just pick him up and drag him out. Like, just – yeah. <laughs> Um, so you have the car, and I'm like, we're not advocating for child beating. Stop. So you have General Thomas Gage, right? So he was the commander of the British forces in America, called on Parliament to send more troops to the Americas to impose order. So this leads to the Quartering Act, and this was passed, and it said that the colonies needed to supply food and shelter for the troops in both inns and unoccupied houses. Um, yeah. So it was later changed to allow troops to stay in private homes at the expense of the homeowner. I mean, that's a kick in the face. Like, think about it. They're just going to come in and they're going to, I mean, refrigerators didn't exist, but they're going to come in at three o'clock in the morning and root through your fridge. They're going to take all your food. They're going to take all your supplies, use up all your toilet paper, and they are going to definitely be spied on you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Fun, fun fact, this actually leads to the creation. Like, this is, this is the direct call for uh, what is now the Third Amendment in the United yes. States to prevent the quartering of troops. Yeah. Uh, that's why, like... Uh, like the U.S. Army can't just show up and be like, "Hey, we're gonna live here for like six months." Yeah, no, no, they, that's no longer allowed. Um, and so that that kind of like ins- that pissed off a lot of uh, a lot of British, a lot of colonists. So, like you said, that's where you have the third amendment. Now we have you still have all of this kind of like dissenting opinions in America, um, and it, they have what's called the Navigation Acts. Right, and the reason why this was done, uh, so basically they said that Parliament can restrict colonial trade, mm-hmm. so a, a colony is only supposed to provide materials to the mother country. Yeah. Well, the colonists were also trading to other nations like Spain and France, so yeah, England did not like this because that, that yeah, they were paying for it, and they're the, the enemies of that nation. So, right. uh, so only British ships would be able to bring goods to and from England. So, yeah, so that kind of like locked down the idea of being in trade with the Spanish and the French, and also said they can only export the raw goods to England, and that England was the sole trading partner. So they were like the like the they were the the sponsored partner. They were the ones that were like, hey, you can only buy your goods from us. Right. Um, so a lot of people lost money 
because of this, which mm-hmm. pissed them off. But again, they're they're breaking rules and making money yeah. off of it. So I, mean, I don't know right. what they were expecting. But uh, then you have something called the Declaratory Acts. So uh, the, the British realized that the boycotts that the colonists organized were starting to work. Yeah. So they realized that – so that Stamp Act where they boycotted paper, um, it didn't bring in as much money as they expected because of all these boycotts. Um, and so Parliament realized that they should probably just like, you know what, scrap it. We'll come up with something else. Um, and so they actually called people in to testify in front of Parliament over it. And Ben Franklin actually, funny enough, was brought into London to testify over the tax. And he said that if the British – his whole idea was like, listen, guys, I'm, I'm – contrary to belief, during the Stamp Acts and the Declaratory – all these acts, people – like we did not want to break away from England. No, we were just this like, eventually becomes like a well. We we kind of have to now, right? And we're gonna get to that. And what essentially happens is, like the colonies are like, hey, we're just asking for a seat at the table. Like that's all we want. Just tell us, just give us a seat at the table, and we'll be happy. Um, and because we don't get that, that's essentially what happens. Benjamin Franklin kind of goes over to England and is like, hey guys, um, just to let you know. If you send more troops to enforce these taxes, they're gonna rebel. Like, uh. <laughs> like, like he was like forewarning them. He was like, "Hey, I just want you to know, they're pretty angry back there. We all are. Like, right. just stop." So Parliament listens to Ben Franklin. And is like, oh, "Okay, that's interesting," and completely ignores them. Actually, and they decide to <laughs> yeah. act, and they pass something called the Declaratory Acts. Uh, this basically means that Parliament can do anything they want, pass any laws that they want at any given time. Yes. So at the end of the day, it's just like, oh yeah, no, Ben, totally understand what you're saying. By the way, think this through, and and then we don't care. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So um, as time goes on, things in the colonies are tense, and it's like, yeah, it's like worse than Thanksgiving when your family starts talking about politics. Oh, that's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I mean that's tense in its own right. I think about how tense it is in the colonies. Right. So we're going to shift our focus over to Boston, right? Right. there's, this is actually – Boston is a, a, a hotbed for everything during this time. I mean it's a big yeah. city, not just for like uh, trade, but it this is where most of the uh, – like. Yeah, because it's such a big like economic hub for the colonies, yeah. especially like Massachusetts, it's no wonder that all of these taxes are hitting the colonists in Boston harder than like anywhere else. Yeah, so this is, this is where most of them are starting to rebel is in Boston. Right. Um, so uh, if you were to look at the colonial era, Boston is the place where everything pops off. They're like right. the kid in the class that likes to challenge the teacher. Everyone yeah. wants him to just shut up, even though he's saying what everyone else is thinking. Yeah, they're making – Boston is making it worse for the rest of the, of the colonies. Right. You know, like not every colony supported what they were doing at this point. Because like think about it. I mean like a state, let's say like Georgia or North Carolina or South Carolina, they're like – they're not as much of like that like trading hub than Boston. So like right. a lot of these taxes, especially like the ones where like they can only trade with England. Right. Like, listen, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, the, the cotton plantations, tobacco plantations. They're like, listen, as long as the check clears, I don't care where this is going. Like, as long as I get sell my stuff, I don't care. Boston is like they're the ones doing the buying and the selling. Right. So they're like, oh no 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 no. So um, on March 5th, 1770, a group of angry townspeople began protesting and marching towards the customs house. 
Yeah, so there were reinforcements of Redcoats uh, called because there was a heavy Redcoat population in Boston at this time. That's the English population, by the way, yes. like pro-English. Yeah, so um, so the reinforcements of these Redcoats were called to help calm this angry, uh, angry townspeople. And when they arrived, the people got angrier because there was more Redcoats, and they started throwing snowballs and That's rocks. That's not so bad. Oh, wait a minute, and rocks. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, snowballs, it's like, I, I mean, it's just like, it's <laughs> annoying because it's still technically assault, but like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, it's, oh, what are you going to do? It's a snowball. But no, they were like putting rocks in the middle of them, so it had some heft to it. And it yeah. caused some damage. Yeah, and there was actually a few seconds of chaos, and this led to the red co- the Redcoats uh, firing on the crowd, like, with their with their weapons. Yeah, uh, so like gunshots thought, went off. Right, the, the soldiers thought that it was their commander yelling to fire, uh, it was likely just one of the colonists taunting them. Right. So they were just yelling like, fire, fire, you little put like fire at me. Like, let's go bring it. And then it's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> just like, uh, and then one guy fired and causes all the rest to go. Um, five men, including a former slave named Christmas Attucks was killed. Yeah. Um, so. so the next day newspapers showed drawings of soldiers firing on colonists and they called it a massacre. So yeah, listen, five at the end men, of the day, five men, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad that five men had to die, but like, you know, I don't know if I'd call it like a massacre. Well, here's the thing, right? So they needed to have like a unifying call to get mm-hmm. the rest of the colonists to join. So if they were like yes. the Boston, a few dudes died you know like it wouldn't do much so by calling it a massacre and remember there's there's no photography back then so they they, no, specifically they, had, they there was a image. guy just like frantically drawing like yes yes yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no uh imagine imagine though um so yeah they they it was very much like a biased like picture. And if you were to like Google Boston massacre picture, um, you would see it just, you know, you only see the picture of the red coats firing. You don't see everything that went on before. Right. It's, it's purposely made that way. Right. And literacy rates aren't what they are right now. Like not as many people read. So a lot of people, especially like, you know, the less educated are going to rely on that picture and they're going to be like, dang, the British are killing us. So, um, Exactly. You know, it, it looks bad. Uh, and the British soldiers are actually brought up on charges and put on trial. They're, uh, they're actually defended by John Adams. Yeah. Uh, important dude. There's actually a whole series. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole series. It's on uh, HBO, I believe. Yeah. It, it's pretty good. Out. You can find it on YouTube, actually. I don't remember if it's called Adams or John no, Adams. But no, it's, I, think it's, I think it's John. If it's not Adams, yeah, it's one of the two. I think it's John Adams. Um, but yeah, so the five soldiers were cleared of the charges. Uh Two convicted of manslaughter, but sentenced to a branding up their thumb. Obviously, so obviously not anything. I mean, they Painful could have been hanged sucked, or hung or whatever, exactly. but um, they, they, their thumbs were just branded. So a lot of people were a little salty with John Adams after this. Yeah, but um, I mean, they were more pissed off that the that they, they got off. Yeah, they, they were bigger fish to fry. Were, that they were uh, let free, um, and it would put that bitter taste in the mouth of the colonists, furthering their hate for the British. And we're not even close to being done yet. We're like just getting started. Like that's yeah. the crazy part. Um, and so you know, another seamless transition. Ring. Um, tea, the Brits' favorite drink. I mean, oh, yeah, they literally drink it up. Literally. Yeah, um, I mean, 
So the British East India Company was in financial trouble and they were still trying to tax, uh, the British were still trying to tax the colonies. So they decided uh, all these other taxes weren't working. So they're like, you know what? Let's hit them where we know it's going to hurt tea. Yeah. So on top of that, the British said that the British East India Company would have a monopoly on the tea trade. So, hey, you know, maybe, you know, the tea from the British East India Company is a little too expensive. You can go buy it somewhere else. Psych, they control everything. So if you want tea, you're getting it from these people. Mm-hmm. And so boycotts were like a mainstay and they were in full effect at this point. In fact, the colonists were threatening the ships with uh, that had the tea. They were threatening them so they would just leave and find a different port. Like they started in South and worked their way North because they were just like, you know what? We don't need any violence. Like we just, you know, we're just going to move and, and go. Um, and so these ships were actually, so they had to pay the tax within 20 days or the authorities would seize the tea, which basically they would like take it, just take it off the ships and be like, all right, yeah. go. Um, and then they would get their money somehow later on. Like that never really made sense to me. It was just like, all right, we're just going to take it off the ship. Then like, you'll get the, te- you'll get the, they'll get paid. They'll move on. And then I guess like they would like jack up the price of tea to recoup the money. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming. I don't know. But all I know is basically that they were, uh, they had to pay that tax. Um, and it was a standoff between the colonial governor and the people. Right. Um, and so they actually had that last night of the deadline, there was a giant meeting about it in Boston at uh, Faneuil Hall. And uh, so while that was going on or at the end of that, um, the colonists known as the Sons of Liberty dressed up like Native Americans and took the tea and just threw it overboard. Yeah, and this actually took about three hours. Which, that's a lot of tea. Yeah, they threw 342 chests of tea overboard. Oh boy. That's a lot. And so it came out to be about like 90,000 pounds, so they were definitely sore in the morning. Oh yeah, that that's worth $1.7 million in today's money. Just one night right. of havoc. Yeah, of just like, you know, like, de- like destroying the tea. Uh, you know, some people say the harbor still tastes like tea to this day. Yeah. Very likely. Uh, so yeah, we. I actually. So last year, I actually went to the Tea Party Museum. Uh, so that's where they kind of explained like the way like it went like with the tea uh, and having to pay the tax and taking it off the ship. And you actually get to go on like a replica of one of the ships, uh, and it's kind of cool. Um, but that tea is heavy because in these giant boxes, uh, and they had to use like some of the pulley systems to take it off and throw it off. And they actually, I believe, they still have like a vial of like the tea. Huh. That was thrown over. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, Some dank tea. Right. Uh, so there's actually, I've seen, I want to clear this up. So uh, every once in a while, I'll see like a meme or like a, you know, a thing on Instagram or like Reddit tossed around um, of, and it's from Tumblr. It's like one of those things from Tumblr where it's a picture of a brick of tea. So essentially what would happen is some areas they would take the tea and they would press them into these bricks and what happened was you know you would if you wanted some tea you just shave a little bit off and then make your tea and these bricks could last like months like you would buy bricks and you would have them for years um and so in the thing that they argue that these bricks were thrown the what was thrown overboard and so you're essentially like throwing like years worth of tea um so that let me see if i can find it yeah okay here it is so it shows like a brick of tea and it said um 
this is what the tea dumped in the British Harbor looked like. Uh, in 1700s, tea was compressed into planks, and the plank could last up a person a year, roughly a year. The person, the, it would be bought, uh, they would be bought in sections, and small slivers would be shaved off into the kettle every time someone wanted to make a cup of tea. <laughs> like, uh, so that's why it's such a big deal. They literally destroyed a couple of decades worth of tea with each creek that they tossed. They dumped, uh, and it's like 46 tons of the stuff into the harbor, rough 1.7 million adjusted for inflation. Here's the problem with that. No. Uh, so essentially, the colonists did not have a taste for that planks of tea, like the bricks of tea. It was all loose leaf. Right. Like it was like essentially, and tea bags didn't exist yet. So it was basically like the tea leaves. So yeah, it's still like the 46 tons of tea and it was um, the $1.7 million. That's all factually accurate, but it was loose leaf and it, was yeah, like, it wasn't it wasn't the bricks no no that's the like the fancy tea party stuff. was like absolutely not we like if anybody would know what was going on it would be the boston tea party museum because you know that's how they make their bread and butter right yeah so, no, that's what that's they're what all about right yeah so i, I guess they like throw that in there oh and they yeah. actually let you throw some of the crates overboard <laughs> so like they have like they it's obviously it's flavorful like, well yes so essentially what they they are like these big foam looking things and they're dressed to look like the crates, and mm -hmm. then you can just throw them over. And it's, it's like, cool. yay! Yeah, no. Um, America, woo! Yeah, Mrs. Leesman really wanted to do that. That was like, she's like, I want to throw tea in the harbor. Like, she actually wanted to, like, put, like, tea bags in her pocket and just, like, quickly just toss it over and be like, yeah, what's up? Ha-ha, uh, like, screw you, um, England. Right. And I was like, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you're an adult. <laughs> like, it's a perfectly good waste of Earl Grey. What the heck? Exactly. But so I, the, one thing that, sorry, one more story that really like annoyed me about Boston is like for its town that got their, got their fame, like part of the fame is from throwing tea over the harbor. The amount of tea and tea like supplies, like spoons and like kettles and cups, the amount of money that that city makes on tea is ridiculous every single like gift shop i like the gift shops at like old north church sold tea and like tea supplies it's like bro you made you made your fame of throwing it out make up your mind yeah no it's okay you got it yeah, yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get off your chest, right? But yeah. um, the last thing we're gonna talk about is the coercive acts. So Britain had to clamp down hard on Boston, basically right. all of the colonies, but Boston specifically. So the, the idea was if they could control Boston, they could probably stop the rebellion. Right. So Boston Harbor was shut down. Down, like they down. was locked and keyed down. Nothing went in, nothing went out. Right. They so wanted to make that money back from the tea. The military had an even bigger presence in the city. Uh, yeah. this basically was the, like the cherry on the top, right? So America was right. now ripe for revolution. Something needed to be done. Yeah. Uh, and so that's actually what we're going to talk about next week, y'all. Yeah. Or next so, episode. I don't know what day this is going to That's okay. Soon. Yeah. 15 minutes in and out, right? But, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just, this is essentially like the lead up to the American revolution. Like why were we so angry at England and why did we go and like break out the guns? Right. So, all right. All right. Good well, talk, Thanks for listening, guys. That's uh, the issues leading up to the American Revolution. And enjoy this wonderful song.
You too.